Amen. I got an exciting thing planned for you today. So open up your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We are now taking a turn in our sermon series, which is really important to understand because we've been going through the whole book of Ephesians since Feb, uh, February of last year because I took the first uh, part of the year, January, to talk about the church. So this is marking basically a year anniversary from, from uh, the time we started. So we have over 50 messages right now. Think of 52 weeks in a year. We have right around, rather, 50 messages, and now I can see the end of the book. Somebody say Amen. Amen. So we can see the end of the book. I want you to be faithful with us in the sermon series, but I'm going to show you now a few things, okay? So hold your spot in your app or your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And if you're new with us, this is a great time to join with us because now you're going to be able to see uh, the things that we've been doing here in the sermon series. And uh, brother, if you could click that out for me, please. And uh, what we're going to do is show the breakdown of the entire book of Ephesians. Thank you. So what you want to look at right here is where we've gone and where we're going, okay? So think of the two sections, of the, rather the whole book of Ephesians being broken up into two sections. Everybody say heavenly minded, and then somebody say earthly good. Now, I know that's a little cheesy, but that was the best I could come up with to try to explain the two sections of the book, okay? Heavenly minded are the things that Paul starts off with that he wants us to know about our spiritual life. Like, it's all about knowledge. It's all about grabbing a hold of the heavy revies. It's like Paul is just laying it upon us chapter after chapter. But then what he does is he takes a turn. And then he begins to talk about the earthly good that Christianity provides. So we should never say that we're so heavenly minded we can't be of earthly good. As a matter of fact, Jesus was so heavenly minded he changed the earth for good. Do you see how that works? So those who are heavenly minded, think of a cross. Those who are vertically minded are horizontally good. Does everybody get that? Vertical and horizontal. So those who have the vertical relationship with God will have a horizontal impact impact on the world. Another way of, of thinking about this is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. So we're touching heaven and we're changing earth. So let's look at these uh, breakdowns here at the beginning of Ephesians. We started with the opening, the greetings, chapters one, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Then he went into the spiritual blessings. And you remember that. That was like weeks and weeks and weeks, sermons there. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Then he talked about his prayer for us to know God better. That was chapter 1, verses 15 and 23. Then he talked about being made alive in Christ through faith uh, by the grace of God. And that's Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. You should never forget that passage of Scripture. And then he showed us that we are a new humanity, Jew and Gentile, in Ephesians 2, 11, all the way to chapter 3, verse 13. So he basically takes about a, a chapter just to explain why there were Jews, how come there were Gentiles separated from the Jews, and now how Christ brings them back together, and now there's a new humanity. And then we learned that he had a second prayer. Everybody say Paul's second prayer. Thank you. Second Second prayer was that we would know God's love. And that's where I was really wanting you guys to see it broken down in his prayers. His prayers, first prayer was that we would know God. The second prayer is that we would know God's love in chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Then he gave us the creed, what we just went over recently in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And then last week, he gave us the ministries, uh, the ministry gifts of the church, the fivefold ministry there in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. How many get that? 
I mean, that's pretty clear, right? Like you understand that that's the uh, insight that Paul had into the, uh, the revelation of God, to understanding the big picture. Everybody say big picture. So if you start off and read the book of Ephesians all the way from chapter 1 to that middle section of chapter 4, you get all of the big picture of Christianity. That's why I've wanted you to read it the entire sermon series. Every week I've wanted you to read the book of Ephesians. Every week I've wanted you to do that. Now think about this. If you are a Christian, you should read your book seven, uh, Bible seven days a week. Ephesians only takes 20 to 40 minutes to read or listen to 30 minutes audio. So somewhere in your day, you should make time at least once a week to read this book. If you read slower and want to take more in, you could have read one chapter a day, and there's six chapters, and then the seventh day, read, read in a, a proverb, you know, something in Psalms. But that's why it's so important, because all of these things undergird our relationship with God. This is Christianity. You'll never get away from those eight points. You'll never get away from chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 4, verse 16. That's, that's the entire revelation of Christianity in a nutshell. As a matter of fact, if you read all the Gospels and you wanted to reduce what the life and ministry of Jesus was about, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you could not do better than what Paul did right here. Why? Because we believe this is inspired Scripture, and we believe that Ephesians was meant to do that. Romans had a purpose, Philippians had a purpose, Colossians, but the purpose of Ephesians was to give you the heavenly mindset of Christianity. So I hope that as we continue on, you'll keep reading the whole book because, everybody say because, because the next four sections that we're going to go through are the earthly good of Christianity. And if all you do is try to start here with the instructions, you're going to miss the whole point of Christianity. So for our visitors that we're bringing, and you definitely should be bringing them, as they come and hear instructions for Christianity, it is going to be my job and your job to remind them that unless they have this down, they'll never be able to do this. Unless they have the mindset, the transformation of spirit and soul in Christianity, they can never do the instructions. Now, here's where I have a lot of the problems, though, with preachers today, is because all they do is talk about these things. And then they don't talk about these things. So one of uh, the, that's really popular, and I don't say the name to be belittling, but I just have to say it because he's so popular now. And I used to always call out Joel Osteen, and I do think it's time I call out Stephen Furtick a little bit, though I love him. All he ever does is preach these things right here. All those YouTube videos that you guys keep sharing, awesome, good. You're encouraged. You're, you're the woman with the issue of blood, and you're being told you can be healed. You're, you're the woman at the well. You're thirsty, and you're being told you can get something to drink. You're being told that you can make it, right? I get why a lot of you get encouraged by that. But when does he ever talk about these things right here? Show me one of those messages on his Facebook page where he ever talks about instructions for Christian living. Tell me one place where he ever talks about the family and the job and the command that you have, women to submit to your husbands, husbands to lead your wives, children to obey your parents. When does it ever get into spiritual warfare and deal with the issues that you and I have to deal with? You see, I just mentioned that name, not out of jealousy. I'm not jealous of his popularity. But the problem is, if all I did was talk about these things in a way that brought you and your friends back, I have done you a disservice. That's not disciple. Discipleship. Discipleship, Jesus said, let me just show you because it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Discipleship in Matthew uh, chapter 28, and I don't know where the mouse is, brother. Can you help me see it? 
Thank you. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. This is the part that we have to remember when we come into Christianity is that we have to teach all that Jesus taught. Do you see the mouse on your end? Because I can't see it over here. Okay, there it is. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want you to see it because if I don't teach you everything that Jesus taught, look, it's already there. Amen. Somebody say confirmation. Just go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Teaching them to think about all the good things I've done for them, to motivate them to live a better life. No, and, and I'll name just a few because I want to just be a little more sassy today. Carl Lentz, uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr., um, uh, some of these, Judah Smith, a lot of popular guys who dress just like me but better, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they have band members that are just like Adam but better, you know, they have the real funky hairdos and a little slash over the eye, you know. But here's the thing, I'm not, I'm not naming these people to tell you I don't love them, or T.D. Jakes, or Creflo Dollar, or, or even Gregory Dickow, I follow him as well. I'm not trying to tell you that I don't love these men. I'm just trying to tell you I look at their messages just like all of you do, and I don't see any of this. I don't see the teaching of obedience to God's commands. But these are the most popular things I see you putting on Facebook. And so here's the problem. I have to teach you to obey everything Jesus commanded you. Do you guys understand that? I cannot just come here and just tell you week after week, you're in Christ. Oh, what a blessed thing it is to be in the union of Jesus. And I can't do that without challenging you to do all of these other things because everybody say other things. You want to see the other things just in the first section here. Watch this. Just in the first section I'm about ready to get into today, instructions for Christian living in Ephesians 4, 17 to chapter 5, verse 20. These are the instructions I have to give you. I don't know if y'all ready for this. This is one. Somebody say one. This is one of the three sections of instructions I have to give you. I have to give you these things. I have to teach you about sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse jesting. I have to talk to you about bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. I have to teach you not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I have to teach you to speak wholesome words, all of these things. You see how much easier it would be for me to not talk about that? Let's just get right through this. Let's just get through this. I'm going to do actually the opposite. I will be reading the entire passage of Ephesians 4, 17 through chapter 5, verse 20. It takes me three and a half minutes to do it. I practice it every single week for the next 17 weeks as I give you the instructions. The exact opposite. Do you understand? Three and a half minutes of you hearing the scriptures being read because I'm not sure many of you are reading it on your own. So when you come here, I'm going to read the entire thing. You see, the first part is all about the being heavenly minded. The next part is about being earthly good. Instructions on Christian living. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to chapter 5, verse 20. Instructions for the family and a job. Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 9. Instructions on spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. 
And then the final greetings, Ephesians chapter 6, 21 through 24. It is my job now for the next 17 weeks. These are, and these are on the notes, by the way, these are my next 17 messages. Now, of course, I could preach a year just on these things, but I found a way to break it down into 17 messages. Now, if you understand, the, the month of January has already passed. We basically have about 48 weeks left in the year. 17 weeks will be spent on the instruction here on Christian living. Then about another month will be spent on instructions on godly living in your house and on your job. And then another month will be dedicated towards spiritual warfare. And then a few weeks on the final greetings, which will take us probably right to around November or December. Amen. So this is going to be your sermon series for the rest of the year. And so why I'm showing you this is I'm about ready to tell you how serious I take it by reading about 30 verses is because I want you to start going through this. I took my time to outline this for you so that you might go through this and begin to search the scriptures to be obedient to Christ, to see what you must do as a Christian, what you are expected to do because God has done all of this this is what you are expected to do. Now, grace doesn't stop in the heavenly-minded section. Grace comes into the obedience. You will see interwoven through all of these things that we're taught to do, you will see interwoven there the Spirit of God, the grace of God. Somebody say the love of God. The love of God is all up in there. When Jesus is speaking through Paul, teaching you not to be bitter or to rage or to do those things, that's love. That is grace, and you'll see the kindness of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So let's go. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And do I love those preachers that I named? Absolutely. Do I think they're going to heaven? Absolutely. I just wanted to name some, because I can't always just talk about Oprah Winfrey. Amen. I got to let you know there's other concerns I have as a pastor. There, there just is. There's concerns that I have for you because this is what I got to do. Do you guys understand that? This is what I have to do. Okay? Your children may love McDonald's, but you got to cook some vegetables every now and then, Mom. Right? I've got to discipline my children, even though they told me the other day they wanted to, uh, Zoe says she wants another daddy. But I've got to, dis after she got in trouble. But you see, I got to be the daddy that disciplines, not the absent daddy on that YouTube video she watches or whatever show she's into, right? You see, I've got to be the pastor that now reads to you this. And I feel convicted by the Lord to do it not only once, but 17 times. As we go through this, 17 times I'm going to do it because it's worth the three and a half minutes that it takes to do it. Now, I may be a little bit uh, theatrical with it, not in a funny way, but I'm going to try to accent in, in an acting kind of way some of these points because I really want you to hear it as a letter. I want you to understand that Paul is speaking to you in a way that you would understand it, so I'm not going to read it as a monologue, okay? Now, I'm not trying to impress any of you. I'm just saying I'm going to read it with some spizzerinctum and some additional uh, tone fluctuations. I just say this the first time because I don't want you to think I'm being, you know, theatrical in a weird way. But I want you to hear it in a conversation as if you were sitting down with Paul. You see, because look at verse 17. I asked our leaders to do this as well this, week, uh, this month for their devotions, to read the whole book of Ephesians and see if they notice the turn the heavenly-minded to the earthly good, because right here at 17, he says, so I tell you this. That's right where he starts off. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So I tell you what? All the previous four chapters. 
You see, I've told you all of these things for this purpose that you no longer live as the Gentiles do. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. See, do you hear Stephen Furtick tell you that? That people in his city, people in his congregation are ignoramuses, separated from the life of God, hard in their heart. That's what Paul said, verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ, when you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught in regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which being corrupted by its evil desires, and to put and be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And don't give a place to the devil or a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as his dearly loved children, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you. With empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. 
That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you got something from that? Like I said, I'm not trying to act. Don't think it's strange, but I did my best as if I had wrote this inspired of the Spirit trying to give it to you in a talk. That would be my heart to you. Do you see it? Do you see the instruction that Paul gives us here? Do you recognize the seriousness, the weight of what's been laid upon the Christian? But it's not the good works that save them. It's not that they're doing this on their own. This is the life that's worthy of the call that they've been given because the Spirit's inside of them. This is why we were made the workmanship of God. This is what we were prepared in advance to do for such a time as this. And this is my last thing about it. So I watch these videos, you know, like by Stephen Furtick and others, and they, they show these motivation videos where, where people are doing things, and it's like you can do all things through Christ and so forth and so on. And one of them he just put out is like a preaching video where it's like, you know, you're more than a conqueror, you know, God is with you and all these things. But what it shows the people doing is basically working out, going to the gym, doing all these different things. And so the thing that I want to ask you, is that what we're motivated to do, or are we motivated to do what we just read today? What is the spiritual motivation of our hearts? And I want you to see this as I find it, and if I can't find it, just look in these videos for me, because I want to play it in the background, and I want to tell you how angry it makes me as a Christian to watch these things here. Find it with elevation, just look on this place and find it, because I want to tell you, you were not motivated to go lose weight by the Bible. The Bible can help you to go lose weight. The Bible can help you to do those kinds of things, but I want to tell you right now, you are given the power of Jesus Christ so that you might do that list right there. Talk to your neighbor for a moment, because I, I want to watch this. I want to help my brother, and I want you to see it, please. Just talk to your neighbor right now. Ask him if they're ready to do this. I want you to watch this. Yeah, here we go. I got it. Look at this right here. I want you guys to understand this. This is not why the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you can wrap up your arms and go boxing. That's the stupidity of the world. That is the futility of the Gentile. That's exactly what today's message is. How are you thinking? The Bible says don't think like Gentiles. Oprah Winfrey can make a video like this and put on a song and get you to think about you doing something like going to the gym, riding your bike. To hell with this. You will go to hell going to your job, motivating yourself to get money. You will go to hell lifting weights. Do you understand that? 
The wrath of God is coming. Do not let anyone deceive you. The wrath of God is real. You are not to be motivated to be a boxer. That is not Christianity. You are motivated to be holy, to be humble, to walk without bitterness, slander, to use your words to build up others, to be a disciple that makes disciples. It's not about push-ups. Do you understand that? It's not about climbing a mountain. We have people in this church that don't do MMA, that don't jog, that don't climb mountains, and they are more focused than Stephen Furtick, the video, and every runner in here because they are focused on the prize of Jesus Christ. Now I thank God that the eagles love Jesus. Great. Bow down before your master as I do. You're no different than me. But if that motivates somebody to see your superstar bow before Jesus, that's awesome. But I could give a rip what they think. I don't need them to trend it. I'm thankful for it. Don't get me wrong. That will be my son if he plays sports. I have no problem with that. I will have a son like Tim Tebow, right? Athletic but loving Jesus. That's not my point. My point is we were meant for more than hiking in MMA. This is not our motivation. You know what I want to see a video like this? The same preaching. That's fine. Not, not saying one thing wrong. There's not one incorrect doctrine he's preaching on this. But I want to see people preaching on the streets with the video in the background. I want to see people standing on their job while their homosexual boss says, I will fire you unless you call me by my transgender name. I want to see the video playing in the background, you talking to your children and explaining to them why they can't go to the Lady Gaga concert and then them to go running out the house. I want to see you focused and motivated and hopeful and not hiding from a world that's going to hell and proud of it. Are you getting my point here? I'm so tired of this. I'm not trying to be an MMA fighter. I'm not trying to climb a mountain today. I know the symbolism of it, but in, in all honesty, it sucks. Show me Gene and Tisa on the African mission field. Are you listening? Show me our teenagers standing around the pole of a school of 2,000 and only three or four there. Are you listening to me? I don't need Monday more to, I don't need to get more motivation. One more just to get it out of my system. Can I get free today? This is what they put out around the Olympics time for a Coca-Cola commercial, Michael Phelps. Sean White going to do three backflips on a snowboard. Playing to what one of those songs are. What's the girl who said, I can kiss a girl, what's her name? And then what's her motivational song? What's the motivational song Katy Perry sings? Eye of the Tiger, thank you. Eye of the Tiger, there you go. That's your video. That's what you've reduced Christianity down to. This is Christianity? I'm not, look at me, please, as your pastor who will be there on Judgment Day. Listen to me. You look at me. Is this Christianity? Taking my protein drink. Looking out across the ocean. Putting up more weight. I have a purpose. This is not my purpose. I ride 30 miles a day, but that's not my purpose. Don't you waste my time. I would want every penny I've ever given in that church back. Give me back my money. You're not a church. 
You're a version of an own show, an Oprah Winfrey show. Get your commercial on her network then. I'm not doing this to become a better surfer. I'm not doing this to be able to clean and jerk more weight, to be a better ballerina. Dear God, friends, is this our Christianity? Is this it? Have we become so worldly that we're scared in a corner when we didn't make our lap record? Shut up, devil. I'm going to make a new record on my ballerina. How many twists I can do? I'm going to enlist this much. Look at me. The Bible says this is worthless. You say, what does this have to do with the message? My friend, it has everything to do with the message. This is the entire point of the message. Look at, what it te- look at what the author told us here. Look at what Paul said to us. This is today's message. So I tell you this. Let's read it together. One, two, three. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do and the futility of their thinking. This is how they think. It's not how they think. I'm going to get more money. I need motivation. I get these, you know, these videos, so I start scrolling. The Buddhist will have a motivation video. The Hindu one will have a motivation video. You see them, right? They'll have the Indian guy, you know, he's sitting in a classroom, and he's giving an example. You know, you can tell it's being filmed in, in Delhi somewhere, and then you'll scroll to the next one, and then, then you'll see the Stephen Furtick one. They're all the same. Just think better. Be nicer to each other. Make your goals. You know, there's even a, 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 pod, a Facebook page, goals, you know. And I get it, guys. I get it. But is this Christianity, the futile thinking of man, atheists win races too, y'all. Atheists play football and win too. Atheists make money too. What are we going to now have an atheist football team and then our football team and see who wins and that will prove who the God is? Whose God is right? You know, come on, it's foolish. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. And why are they so ignorant? Because their heart is hard. That's why the world doesn't think like us. When it comes to a win, a win to them is you getting that raise. A win to them is you getting that next clean and jerk. A win to them is not you going to talk to your homosexual boss on lunch break and say if they don't repent, they're going to hell, but you've been praying for them. That's not a win. It's not a win that you go out and stand in the freezing cold as they did last night on Devon and go preach to Muslims. I had a woman come from one of these churches to our outreaches, and I said, yes, we're just like Stephen Furtick, but more radical. We go to the streets. So if you come here, you're expected to go to the streets, not be my fan. She looked at me crazy, and I said, I'll say it again. Listen to me. I told it to her twice, very clearly. I said, I preach just as good as Stephen Furtick. I kind of caught her back like it was prideful. I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I preach just as good as him, but I don't preach all that he preaches. I preach more. I'm going to tell you how to live like a Christian and be a disciple and to walk in the way of Christ. And I said, you're already there right now. Come into this outreach, so keep coming and get you some. I met another Christian. Juan invited him. He met me right over there at the bathroom as I came uh, to go into the, uh, to, the, to the service last week. He said, I've heard about you guys. I hear y'all about you all over on the streets, everywhere. Every, people know who you are. That's how they know who Metro Praise is. If you want to share my videos, that's fine. They need to get out. Amen? 
just to kind of balance out this other nonsense. But listen to me. It's your life that makes the difference. It's your life that you don't have a hard heart. It's your decision that you want to do what's right because what is the Gentile like? They have lost all sensitivity. They are not sensitive to the Spirit. They aren't sensitive to their conscience. They don't feel what you feel. That's why they can go to the bar, they can go to the club, they can cuss, they can do whatever they want, and they don't feel bad about it. You know what my nightmares are? Listen to me, Nicole. I will tell you what my nightmares are that wake me up with a cold sweat. You want to know what wakes me up with a cold sweat? It's me cheating on my wife. Cussing. You think I'm playing. I've woken up in the middle of the night with hot chills, uh, cold chills going down my body because I was smoking and cussing. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And there are backslidden Christians all over the city smoking, cussing, cheating on their wives, looking at pornography, and have no sensitivity to it in their heart. Don't feel anything. I don't even know how they go to bed. You heard that. How do you go to bed at night? How do you sleep at night? I don't know how they do that. They must be so hard in their heart. I get angry with my wife, I have to repent. I get angry with my kids, I have to wake them up and tell them I'm sorry. Daddy didn't do that right today. I can't go to bed with a conscience that's grieved. Is anybody listening to me? They've lost all sensitivity and they've given themselves over to the flesh or sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. My friends, we as Christians need to live a different life. But how does the living start? The living starts by the thinking. Because as a man thinks is how he lives. So how do non-Christians think? They think futile thoughts. They're empty and they're vain. It's all about me. It's all about my family. It's all about these things that I'm going to accomplish. Vanity. The Bible says it's futile. Let me explain to you what it means to be futile. Imagine you dropping out of a plane without a parachute. You trying to grab the air is futile. From that stopping you to hit the ground. That is what your life, your family, your job, all of those things are like on Judgment Day. They are absolutely pointless. You can't stop it. Judgment is coming. We stand on the Word of God. We're safe. We come into Christ. We have the blessing of the Lord. I have no fear of hell because I stand in Christ. My righteousness is not of my own. It's from Jesus. They're darkened in their understanding. What does that mean? They don't get it. Okay, let's give it an example. Bring you to a place you've never been before, blindfold you like a museum where there's a lot of items, and say, now describe the place you're in. Um, there's probably a painting around here somewhere. Uh, uh, maybe a statue. Uh, you're in the exhibit of air flight and aeronomics. All there is around you is planes. See, they never would have guessed it, right? Are you listening? You're in the building of planes. You're, all there is is planes. Okay, well, let me try to guess. There's, there's planes with propellers. Yeah, you're getting there. You know, and then they start guessing. That's like a sinner. They don't even know where they are, and then we'll tell them something. The Bible says to be righteous, and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a good person. But they don't know the detail. They don't know how to fly. They don't know what it's about. They're dark in their understanding. Put them in a plane, they couldn't do anything, let alone describe it well. They're blindfolded. That's what sinners are like. That's what we were like, separated from the life of God. We don't get the life of God when we're in sin. Do you understand why I care about it so much? Ignorant of God's truth. When you're ignorant of God's truth, you don't know what you don't know. That's why when our Senate 
said that it was okay to kill babies in the womb 20 weeks and after. And my wife and I put up a picture of a 12 week, our 12-week-old child in, in, her, in her stomach. They, when they struck down the ban, so now we can continue to kill babies after 20 weeks, which at 12 years old, at 12 weeks, they have the arms, the legs, the eyes, all of these things. Uh, they rejoiced. They gave each other high fives. You know why? Because they're ignoramuses. They're fools. They're unaware of God's convictions. The Bible says they don't even know what makes them stumble. They're darkened in their understanding. It's due to the hardness of their heart. They've lost all sensitivity. They're sensual. They live by the flesh and the temporary pleasure that it brings. I want to ask you something. Are you thinking like a Gentile today? Because we, we are supposed to see this as not our pattern. See, why did Paul tell us this? He says, I'm telling you this and insist on it in the Lord that you no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Sexually impure. What are the two greatest temptations man ever has once he becomes sensual? Outside of the conviction of God. He'll become a pervert and he'll become greedy and idolater. Track it with anybody in this church. When you're not right with God, your sexual walk, your sex life's not right and your money's not right. You don't give to the church and you don't live right according to God in your sexuality. God said that money would be your idol because it provides you the power to do whatever me, myself, and I wants to do. And then your sexuality will be your greatest form of pleasure. There you go. Because you haven't found your pleasure in God. Now, sex is pleasurable with God in the, the mix, obviously, but this is what the sensual life is like. Let me read it again. So I tell you this, insist on in the Lord, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility and the pointlessness of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity. They keep giving themselves over the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. Do you think it's worth our time to go over these things in church? I believe it is. Adam, would you come please hear how Christians are supposed to think and live? We're not supposed to be futile, but we're supposed to be what? Fruitful. We're not supposed to be darkened by sin, but we're supposed to be what? Lightened by God's wisdom. We're not supposed to be separated from the life of God. We're supposed to be what? Connected to the life of God. We're not supposed to be ignorant of God's truth. We're supposed to be what? Aware of God's truth. We're not supposed to be hardened in our hearts to sin. We're supposed to be what? sensitive in our conscience. We're not supposed to be led by the flesh. We're supposed to be led by the spirit. We're not supposed to be impure and unholy, but what? We're not supposed to be selfish and greedy, but to be selfless and generous. What does the passage say as it continues on? We'll talk about this next week. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. That's not what you learned, Carlos. That's not what you learned, Curtis. That's not what you learned. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Your old self, it lies to you. And to be made new in the attitude of your what? To be made new in the attitude of your, of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. See, you were taught this, weren't you? And so now it's a matter of whether or not you're going to live it. Band, would you come, please? What we need to do is not just say amen to the preacher today. We need to be motivated to live for Jesus. The heavenly mindset of a Christian is that you're in Jesus today. You're in Jesus today. You are in Christ 
you have the mind of Jesus. You have the thoughts. You have the spirit. If you've been born again, if you have an altar workers, would you come please? Our altar workers are here at the front. will pray for you before you go today because they want you to have a real relationship with Jesus. They want you to pray like they did. They're no better than you and they're not your priest, but they will pray with you to have an encounter with Jesus. To do what? To just be so heavenly minded? No, to have your life changed to live a earthly good. So Christians, are you heavenly minded? Those who have already been born again, I hope you are. And are you going to be of earthly good? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. Let's start off by praying for those we name today, Christians, those who love these churches, Stephen Furtick, Carl Lentz, Rich Wilkerson Jr., Judah Smith, T.D. Jakes, Creflo Dollar. The City Church, these churches, Hillsongs, all of these churches that keep emphasizing the one thing but never tell us how to be earthly good. They're ashamed to say the word sin. They're ashamed to talk about the wrath of God. We pray for the church of America today to come back to the preaching of Billy Graham. I listened to the preaching of Billy Graham the other day, and it was the exact opposite of what I hear from all the Hillsong conferences, even some of what Jesus culture puts out, all of that soft peddling stuff. It's the exact opposite. I was impressed. I, honestly, I was honestly impressed because he's Baptist. He's Baptist, by the way. I was honestly impressed by how straightforward Billy Graham was. I said, dear God, the Pentecostals don't even preach as good as the Baptists did 50 years ago. So Lord, let us pray right now for the church to get the fire of God again. You say, Pastor, who should we listen to? What group should we listen to? Listen to Brooklyn Tabernacle. Listen to David Wilkerson's church, Times Square Church. Listen to Michael Brown's Fire Church. Listen to the church of the presence of the Lord. It's called the church of his presence with Kilpatrick in Alabama. Listen to Jensen Franklin. Listen to good preachers. Listen to Robert Morris of Dallas, Texas. Get some balanced preaching to, you, to your ministry today, to your life. Okay, now enough about that. Let's go to you. Let's all stand up, please, in an attitude of prayer and search your heart. Lord, if there's anyone here that's not born again, I pray that they will be born again in the name of Jesus right now. Would you pray for any right now that you know that may be here? Maybe your friend or family member doesn't know Jesus. Because in just a few moments, we're going to ask them to come forward to receive prayer. Lord, we ask just as we prayed in communion that everybody will know you today. And now before we go, all Christians in this place, would you search your heart? The heart is another word for your mind. It's all connected in the Bible. Heart, soul, mind, it's all the same thing. It's the inner person. Would you take a good look at the inner person right now and see what you've been thinking about? How are you thinking? Are you thinking like a non-Christian? Are you motivated by money? Are you motivated by the things of this world, your sensual desires, or are you motivated by the mind of Christ, the righteousness of God, his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? If there's any wicked way in you, just say, Lord, forgive me and lead me in the paths of righteousness. A few more moments right now in prayer. Lord, check our hearts. Play back our thoughts from this week. Have we been angry, bitter? Have we been unforgiving? Have we been unwholesome? Have we been dirty in our jokes? Have we been perverse in our sexuality, greedy with our money? Transform and change us from the inside out to line up every thought to who you made us to be. 
I am the righteousness of God. I have been made holy to live holy. The wrath of God is coming, but I am not afraid of it because I am right with my God. A few more moments. How many of you can say, I know the wrath of God is coming on those who live like this, but I am free from it. I am free from it in Jesus' name. I have confessed it. I have made it right. Jesus, transform our lives. Now, before I say amen, will you look up at me? Because I'm going to pray one more time, then dismiss you. This is what I want us to do today. If you don't know Jesus and you need to, come up to one of these prayer workers after I say amen. Or if you're a Christian and you want help to live like this and you need encouragement, you want someone to pray with you, the Bible says come together, lift up your need. They will pray with you without judgment. When I say amen, you come and do that. And for the rest of us, if you want to seek God for our nation, because you see the passion I have in my heart today, then you join us at this altar and just pray. Just find a place to pray because I'm going to tell you what, we're going to change what's called a church in this nation. We're going to change what's called a church to the people on the Internet. We're going to show our coworkers in love and grace and peace and patience what it's like to live for Jesus because we do believe in the wrath of God, but we believe in the grace of God too. Amen? I love you enough to tell you both. I love to talk about heaven and what God was going to do on earth. I love to tell you about the cross and how he died for your sins and how he's going to judge the world. That's the message of the Bible. Amen. Lord, I thank you for today. May we all leave out here saved, sanctified, filled with your Holy Ghost, thinking like a Christian in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, and everybody said, let's give it up for Jesus. Slap your neighbor high five and say, think like a Christian. Think like a Christian. You're dismissed. Come on up as the band plays if you need prayer. Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Groups. Have a great day. Thank you for coming. Woo! Come on. I've got a life worth living.